Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnutt, and with me today are Dave Bunce and Matt Thompson. Dave is the CEO and Matt is the EMEA Market Lead at Morphio. And we're going to be discussing how to defend yourself against marketing failures. So a quick heads up for our listeners in that this might sound a little bit like a sponsored episode today, and that's because I'm a big fan of what I've been seeing from Morphio. If you've been listening to the podcast a lot, you'll know that I am a software fan. I'm always experimenting with new software and tools that can either make my life easier, more enjoyable as a marketer, help me do a better job, and give me peace of mind. And Morpheo seems to be doing all of those things for me and has become a mainstay in my personal marketing stack, really. And so I was really excited. I uh, was introduced to Dave and Matt recently, and we started to have a walkthrough of Morpheo, and I uh, learned a little bit more about their history and their plans, and I thought they'd make great guests for the episode. So welcome to the podcast, Dave and Matt. Thanks very much, Scott. Could you just expand a little bit on that intro and describe your respective roles at Morpheo and any personal goals or company mission statements that help with the context of what Morpheo is all about? So my my role with Morpheo is actually relatively uh, recent and is sort of a, a direct response to uh, people like yourself, Scott, in the UK and and others in uh, in, in Europe and, and further afield, sort of latching onto the product and uh, and liking what they see. Uh, so the, the the response has been to invest in this market in the form of me. I come from a digital marketing background myself. I, I worked alongside Dave and an agency out in Canada uh, for the best part of five or so years. I came up through the ranks of digital marketing, being platform monkey myself, and and all the way through uh, to heading up a, a 15-man team before deciding to join the dark side and go to uh, client services. And uh, so the the... the opportunity and the option to, to to link back up with with Dave and, and with the Morpheo team was a bit of a no-brainer to be honest I obviously used a number of tools during my time as a as a digital marketer um, the the option to sort of be a part of something new and something exciting something that I knew uh, from the people that were involved was going to be truly oriented around trying to fix 
problems was was something I had to jump at. Morphia specific sort of focus on kind of expanding beyond just being a, a digital marketing performance tool and into workflow is something that really speaks to my professional interests. So that's that's why I'm here today. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. And yourself, Dave? Yeah, so my background is an interesting one. It started out actually in public accounting and, and finance. Uh, and then I realized that marketing numbers were way more interesting than uh, finance numbers and accounting numbers. But what really led me into this role was leaving public accounting. I joined uh, the agency that Matt alluded to to run finance and, and operations there. And what I saw in, in the agency space was a ton of creative people really good at what they did, but didn't know how to, how, to, how to work efficiently, effectively in terms of flow and getting the right information at the right times. And that really led, led us down the Morpheo path. And we'll, we'll tell more about that later. But uh, for me, that's the kind of background I, I come from. Uh, personal note, a couple of young kids, which makes uh, entrepreneurship very interesting uh, on, the, on the home front. And I am work from home right now, so you never know who's going to interrupt when. But definitely uh, a great intro into the agency space that I had through running finance and operations there. I also had a stint as covering HR on Matt Leave, and I don't think I'll tell any of those stories today. I don't think I'm allowed to, but some interesting stuff happens in the agency space, uh, as I'm sure people know. Brilliant. So I guess just expanding on those intros, if I've understood this correctly, uh, Matt, you've been at Morpheo a short while, but Dave, you've been a part of the growth story uh, related to Morpheo a little bit longer. Is that correct? Correct. So what happened with Morpheo, really interesting, was we started building it in about 2015 uh, within the agency. And it's been evolving over time. It's been many different things. But the whole notion was, how do we create a way to get ahead of manual mistakes and how can we find them faster and how can we find opportunities for our clients faster and that's what led to Morpheo so it started within our own agency we built it up over four or five years within the agency uh, and then we actually sold it uh, the agency that is about a year and a half ago to focus solely on Morpheo so the product itself uh, over time has evolved internally over five years uh, and we've been in the market uh, for a year and a half. And I was part of the team that rolled the technology out of the agency, raised our capital and, and have been part of the go-to-market strategy ever since. I guess continuing on from there, Dave, just in your role as CEO, what kind of responsibilities do you have at Morpheo? Yeah, what key role do you play in the growth of Morpheo and have you done so far? Yeah, I think the what I've learned is in a, in a product business like ours, it, it's all about being the bridge or the connection between sales and marketing, having that intelligence of what's needed in the market, and the product team who, who ultimately make it happen and build it. And being that person was a natural fit in terms of my agency background and agency leadership to be able to say, this is what marketers need and, and hearing the needs of people like Matt and then translating that to our, our development team. And that's been primarily my role right now. You know, we are a small knit team, so you wear many hats when you're uh, scaling and growing. But that's really been, been my focal, focal point is how do we take the needs in the market and, and make a product that's going to meet those needs? Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, I didn't mention it in the intro there, but you can tell when software products are designed by the people that they're intended for. And so what I mean by that is that 
using morphia. I remember seeing some phrasing, maybe it's on the website or during my research, and it says, uh, morphia was built by marketers for marketers or something to that effect. And I definitely think that speaks true to the intuitiveness of the platform. And it's one of the reasons that I like using it so much. It's so important to me as someone that uses lots of different software and likes to experiment. I very quickly get a feel for when I'm going to enjoy using something and when I'm not. The great thing about Morpheo for me so far has been the intuitiveness. It's easy to pick up. You enjoy using it. And so I can really see how, uh, well, it just makes such a difference when you build a product and the people that are behind building the product actually have experience in the problems that they're trying to solve, as opposed to identifying a problem that they actually haven't experienced themselves. So that's something that's been really interesting to me. I'm just learning a little bit more about what's happening behind the scenes. And for yourself, Matt, you talked a little bit about being brought on to support in the expansion of Morpheo in the EMEA market. How are you doing that? How are you approaching that? Uh, I mean, firstly, by being here, that, <laughs> that helps enormously because uh, the uh, time zone can uh, can uh, be a bit course, tricky yeah. sometimes <laughs> for the uh, most folks uh, over in Canada. Um, to, to be honest, I, I think it's it's sort of a bit more expansive than just. I mean, obviously, my title is 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 uh, to market lead at the the EMEA uh, markets, but there's there's definitely been a, a shift in priority. I would say uh, recently for Morpheo to to sort of um, with with so much focus on the, the the UI UX of the platform, the various functions and features of the platform, I think one of the things, ironically, that sort of ended up taking a little bit of a backseat is some of the kind of core marketing functions. Um, so sort of fixated around ensuring that the product itself was doing what marketers needed it to do, uh, hadn't necessarily, as a company, sort of matured the the way of telling that story enough uh, and and uh, ensuring that that value was was adequately communicated so, as I'm sure you know more than more than most Scott this is this is a competitive space yeah um, and there's a lot of people that tell that story very well uh, so that's that's realistically a big part of what myself and, and, and everyone else at Morphia will be will be looking to do is to sort of mature the way that story is told understanding that things like you've already pointed out the fact that this is a a tool for marketers built by marketers um that there's a sort of intrinsic understanding of the kinds of problems that we experience day in and day out that it's it's a story worth telling and, and will almost certainly resonate with a lot of folks and i think um a big part of what drives us frankly and, and, and what when uh, when people sort of put the question to uh, someone like Dave, for example, who's obviously kind of gone through building an agency to the point of sale and has now thrown himself into the world of startup. Uh, it's like, you know, why not just, you know, put your feet up? Uh, is that there's a genuine belief that this product does help people. Uh, it does help marketers sort of get through the, the grind of the work, take away some of the risk so that it frees people up to, to think, to strategize, to frankly do the parts of the job that, certainly speaking for myself and, and for many of the people that I encountered as a digital marketer, the bit of the job that we all really enjoy. Actually, leading on from that, there was a line that I picked up from an article, and I think, I think it was written by 
Dave, and it said something along the lines of using Morpheo for peace of mind and allowing that to free people up to focus on the art of strategy and marketing. I just thought that was a really great way to encompass what Morpheo is all about and how I feel using it. With that in mind, where do you think you're at in your journey so far with Morpheo? Do you think that's being achieved? Yeah, it's a great, great question, Scott. I think for us, you, you've nailed it in the in the sense of what our purpose is and our our goal as a product. And I know after working with Matt for so many years, I, I was just so tired of hearing that we didn't have time to think. And we realized that marketers were happy when they were able to strategize and do creative thinking and, and ideation and, and do the work that, you know, was ultimately fulfilling. And so for us, we had initially kind of thought about happy as, you know, producing results or that sort of stuff. But it was the idea of strategy and, and thinking that makes marketers happy. That's what people get into the industry for. So for us, the way we break down our, our mission in terms of, you know, how do we achieve those things? Because you could do that a bunch of ways. But for us, we, we want marketers to be empowered by having access to our proactive data. So here it is, marketers, stop digging for the insights, stop spending time searching and, and filling out spreadsheets. Here is the information you need. We're going to empower you with that proactively. Then you can apply your strategy, which is what makes you happy, and you have the time to do it now. And then that creates the effectiveness of, of results for our clients. So that's sort of how we view our, our company purpose and our, our brand promise. I think where we are in that journey uh, is, is always ever-evolving. But what I do know is we are getting closer and closer to providing that proactive data. You know, the, the end goal mm -hmm. or end dream would be able to sort of have, you know, the ask, ask anything or ask Jeeves approach to, uh, to marketing where, you know, you could ask, why is my CPA down on this account uh, by 20% and, you know, us be able to just spit out an answer. We're getting there, but uh, you know that's sort of the one of the end goals, and the other end goal is is to also integrate uh, holistically, you know, forecasting, financial reporting, etc., and all of that related to media. So there's work to be done, but in terms of you know the core of empowering marketers to be able to strategize and have time to think and have the right information to do it, I think I think we're there based on the the user feedback we're getting. I I, I think. It would be sort of a bit remiss of us to sort of say that, that that we're leading this journey. I think this is a journey that digital marketers as an industry have been on for a while. It's it's the it's the constant battle of this industry is from a purely agency perspective, the balance between servicing uh, enough clients to, for, the, for the agency to be uh, viable as a business, but then also having the time to truly apply the, the value that working with an agency brings. And, and as, as, as we've articulated in the blog you referenced, Scott, we think that that's truly sort of where agencies apply their value is at the strategic level um, with the sort of, a continual arms race between various platforms to to heighten algorithms to automate more and more in terms of the actual point of application the optimization of uh, of digital campaigns we are left increasingly with the strategy so then the the question becomes how do we as agencies 
give digital marketers the time to provide that value, to do that strategic thinking um, and, and help drive clients towards towards bigger and better goals. Um, so, yeah, that's a conversation that's been going on for a long time and sort of sits alongside the other arms race, which is the sort of viability of digital marketers in a space where AI and machine learning encroaches more and more on on what a lot of the day-to-day has been historically and the ground that, that that leaves us. Yeah, that's really interesting. And as you were both talking, what's coming to mind for me when I visualize your journey is that just around the theme of this episode is firstly, there's the need for Morpheo to provide the service of helping marketers defend against marketing failures, which is really around the services and features to do with anomaly detection. But then, Matt, just what you were talking about there is the ability to use things like predictive analytics to help marketers focus on the areas that are strategically going to make the biggest impact on their campaigns. Using Morpheo and how I've got familiar with it as a user so far, it feels to me like the anomaly detection part is pretty solid. I know that I'm finding that particularly helpful at the moment. But tying back in with what Dave was just saying is that the future of Morpheo is perhaps more in that predictive analytics space. Is that fair? Yes, I think that's that's fair, Scott. I think we're we lay it out a few ways that protection layer we're we're pretty much there in terms of anomalies and you know financial exposure as well, monitoring that ads are running, that there's you know payment issues are aren't occurring, that you've got you know, correct conversion tracking, all of those sorts of common mistakes that we see agencies make uh, is sort of that base level foundation that we've established. And and now the next part that's in progress, as you've identified, is really how do we continue to optimize that spend in a in a strategic way and also sort of close that loop of campaign and, and account management, starting with what are the business goals and objectives and all the way through to what did you actually achieve? So that's, you know, the, the future. And we have pieces of it. We've got the reporting functionality, the suggestions, et cetera. And now we just need to layer in the front part of that, the predictive analysis and, and improving our forecasting features. And then at the end, tying that back into the actual dollars involved in the media spend as well. To roll out a, a nauseatingly cliche sporting analogy, uh, I think we've... <laughs> we enjoyed those here. <laughs> it's it often repeated obviously that a good defense wins championships that's 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 very much the approach that we've taken so like, like you said the defense is solid now so now where we're at now we're looking to yeah build build on those on those principles that are in place to to arm people on uh, on offense as well i was gonna ask i thought england had a good good defense but you know they didn't win so anyways, i'll leave that alone just had to get that out there we're the nearly winners but thanks for that (laughs) uh so actually that that is a really nice transition into the marketing failures that were top of mind for you when uh, building and growing morpheo so i guess in particular for you dave when when the idea for morpheo first came to fruition and you were looking at how to build this tool and the features and functionality of morpheo what were the common scenarios that kept coming up for you that either made you laugh or tear your hair out where you just knew that marketers were either wasting their time or energy mostly yep, the second great. one i think it's worth saying <laughs> <That's> 
That's right. Yeah, as Matt said, it was it was when our agency went from four or five digital marketers to ten in a year, and then ultimately, as Matt said, the team when we sold it was at about eighteen to twenty. Uh, and really, why the common mistakes that we saw uh, led us to Morphia the, the tear the hair out examples were simple things like conversion tracking breaking. Right? You know, you'd have those stories. We'd launched launch the campaign and we thought it was going great and all excited about it. And two days later, we hadn't seen any conversions come through. And we, you know, the client would be saying, why aren't I seeing conversions? And, you know, our data isn't showing conversions. And and we'd be like, oh, right, right. This, you know, this tracking wasn't set up properly or, you know, we tested it in this use case, but it didn't work in this scenario or whatever it may have been. So, you know, those those sorts of agonizing stories, if you put in all the work and planning and and everything to, to get ready for launching those campaigns or onboarding those clients. And then you find out something as simple as tracking conversions wasn't, you know, firing properly in, in analytics or something like that. And, and those were the ones that frustrated the team and were so demoralizing and frankly would jeopardize mm-hmm. relationships too, right? Those moments of, of, yeah. of truth where you'd have to own up to your mistakes. And those are tough conversations. They can be very, um, galvanizing for client relationships, but they can also test them. And that was one I, I saw once we saw it two or three times, you know, you, you never want to same, make the same mistake twice. And so once we did it twice, we said, okay, we got to figure out a, a way to do this in a more automated way. That was one. Um, the time spent on reporting was another one where, you know, mm-hmm. you'd see these great reports that the team would be producing and spending hours on in terms of customization and insights and, you know, a wonderful slide deck. And you'd get into the reporting meetings and the client would just say, well, my revenue's down. So I don't care how many clicks you got. I don't care how many people visited my site. My revenue's down. And I thought of all the hours the team had spent putting together those reports. And, and when it boiled down to something so simple for the client, you know that that was another one where I just saw so much inefficiency in terms of how how we were managing reporting. So, hence Morpheus sort of you know simplified reporting approach. And then the other one mm-hmm. that hit home for me was financial. Uh, obviously, having to be the one signing checks and managing budgets, uh, and it didn't happen often. You know, by my math, our team was ninety nine percent accurate on media spending and and changes, but you know one mistake can cost you $10,000, $15,000, right? Adding an extra zero to a daily budget by accident. That happened once and that cost us $10,000 and a client. And those were the mistakes that were just so painful. And, and it was those little manual things that were so infuriating for the team because they'd done all the work, they were doing the right things and a little manual mistake cost us so much. And, and after having to write one or two of those media spend mistake checks, us and the agency owner said, you know, never again. And and here we are with, with sort of the reason for, for Morphia. That's really interesting because there are so many agencies that face that problem and to then decide to essentially build a SaaS solution to help solve that problem is quite a bold move. You know, it, you talked it through like, um, as if it was an easy decision, but how, how easy was it? Was it a difficult decision? Who led? Who kind of drove that decision within the company, and where did you start? Yeah, great, great question. So our background is interesting in that 
Arcane is the name of the agency. Uh, Arcane yeah. was founded by uh, two individuals, Eric and John. Eric being heavier on the accounts relationship side. Uh, and John, however, came from a development background. So he was a, a dev you know, building sites and all of that in the early 2000s and, and then right. obviously founded Arcane. So we always had a dev team. We always had uh, a component of, of, you know, in our DNA, we have technology in our DNA. And then essentially, you know, we, we found, were founded in 2015, Morpheo, that is, by Eric and John and uh, PhD in machine learning, Dr. Nima Murbakish is his name. Uh, don't ask me to spell mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but uh dr nima as we go uh you know came from us uh came to us after doing a phd around the application of machine learning in consumer data and marketing data and he was at uh the institution uh university of western ontario down the street from us and so we got paired up with him in in support of that thesis and that's really where you know the the rubber hit the road in terms of traction was finding somebody with that machine learning background and and the data scientist mindset along with john the coder and eric the the accounts person if you will and tying those three together and then later adding myself from a finance and operations perspective and now adding you know someone like matt from a digital marketing background all is steering it that way so it was an interesting journey and i'll actually ask matt to tell some of it because you know there were a few painful years internally where him and his team were the the tests they were the guinea pigs right and that can be a bit painful and and frankly you know rolling it out within our own agency uh was the hardest test because they saw all the growing pains and all the product roadmap and all the challenges that came with it right so matt maybe you can comment on some of that and the learnings that we had over time with you (laughs) Okay, well, I'll step carefully so that I start the job at the end of the podcast. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, I, like you, you, you pretty much articulated it there. I think, uh, like, what what better and more brutal a sort of beta testing could can anything go through than uh, sort of constantly being foisted on uh, a team of, of very busy digital marketers mm-hmm. like this? This? this thing being sort of handed to us it needed to be saving us time right away or it just got chucked right back over the fence and and it did it did get chucked back over the fence a lot in uh, in, in those early days um there was you know sort of a mostly civil feedback loop i would say uh in terms of of uh how a, a feature could be improved or where the the biggest pain points were at, at any one moment when uh, Morpheus was first being developed, this was this was um, pre Data Studio, so right. these sort of custom dashboards that we were building, we were building in Google Sheets and using layers and layers of V lookups and nested formulas and all sorts to create these sort of live reports uh, with raw data. And so, yeah, that, that's obviously a, a very laborious and and manual process but what it also is is very customizable very very shapeable to the varying different needs that the clients had at the time and so every time morpheo was sort of handed back to us as a digital marketing team it had to be better than what we were doing 
or it just didn't get adoption. There was only so so much pushing that uh, that Eric say could do in terms of foistering adoption on us. There would there would be a, a genuine effort, but fundamentally, if it was taking more time than the solutions we had in place, just using spreadsheets or just using you know Data Studio a little bit later on, then it wasn't going to get used, no matter no matter how much it's uh, you know, sort of internal pressure to do it. So I I, I think in terms of a of an incubator, um, you couldn't have asked for a, a better one in terms of growing the product to a place where it was genuinely usable by digital teams. I think I think the the state the product is in now is a is a is a testament to to that real. Uh, fiery environment where in which it, it had to grow up. It had to, it couldn't be a sort of navel gazing exercise of, uh, of, you know, isn't this a cool feature? Isn't this a clever feature? Yeah, sure. Is it saving us time doing the things that we're doing right now? If it isn't, it's not going to get used. And so, uh, yeah, as a result, when we, when we have conversations with you know, agencies like yourself, Scott, the point of application, the, the the workflows, all of those things, those were adopted and uh, adapted into the product because they had a team of 15-plus digital marketers telling them exactly what was wrong with it every single time it came over and wasn't doing the job perfectly. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I feel like Morpheo is more orientated towards paid media channels. There are, I know there is SEO functionality in there, but as you've described to me in a meeting last week, your intention isn't to be like a full SEO suite, like something like Moz, though you do have features that support SEO professionals in there. So was there, going back to, yeah, I guess the origin story as you were building this out, was the intent always to focus on paid? Were there any other features, functionalities, or channels that you thought you were going to launch with when you started out building Morpheo that just ended up not making the cut? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> is the short answer. We initially started out with the idea of being a, more like a web optimization tool and also more right. of, a, of an SEO tool as well. And the, the thinking was, even with the name Morpheo, the idea was to be able to morph your website to convert better using the full digital ecosystem to inform that sort of, you know, that content, that imagery, more like a, a CRO type tool. And what you see in Morpheo as you, you get into it along the way, we definitely dropped some pieces. We kept some pieces. At one point, it was a development platform uh, and we were building client websites on, on it because the whole notion was we had the dev platform. And then we had the content and, and sort of SEO and, and paid side of it. And we were looking to push those optimizations directly through the dev platform. And then, you know, this whole thing called WordPress, <laughs> you know, took off and there's way more sites being built on WordPress. And we just didn't bother going down that path for that reason. There was just enough uh, competition in the space. And, and, and so what stayed was some of the SEO features, as, as you mentioned, Scott. So, you know, we are not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEO only tool, but you know there's a great tool. For example, in, in Morpheo called the the SEO Rank Tracker, and it is constantly scraping competitors and your own site to understand changes and the impact on rankings from an organic perspective. And that's a very unique feature because at one point we were trying to reverse engineer Google search algorithm. So you know that that was a big mm-hmm. undertaking. 
Um, but what led us to the, the paid side of it was ultimately going back to the financial exposure and understanding the, the return on investment of the tool. And as I said, writing a couple of those checks for, you know, media mistakes or looking at the traffic that we were directing to landing pages that may have had a 404 error or something like that. You know, those types of issues cost the clients real dollars, cost us, you know, goodwill with them. And ultimately that's where we followed, we followed the money literally in this case. That's really interesting to know how that's developed over time. And, uh, and as you just said earlier, I think the future of Morpheo looks bright when you think of predictive analysis in context of some of those other channels as well. So I can see how that is going to evolve over time. I've mentioned peace of mind in the intro earlier, and you've actually touched on there of some of the things that you wanted to launch Morpheo with. So some of the marketing values that you wanted to defend against. But I'm also interested to know outside of Morpheo, the product, just drawing on some of your agency experience. What are some of the common avoidable mistakes that you think marketers regularly make that maybe aren't related to paid or SEO and are more general? Do you have anything that comes to mind that you just think, oh, I hate it when that happens? I think uh, maybe maybe I'll address sort of specifically digital marketers still yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, this is a sort of <laughs> an easy tie back into into the platform, and I appreciate you sort of asking a, a broad question here. But I, I do think that it's it's a, an issue that I haven't seen solved that well in my experience of various agencies, and that is the sort of um, I suppose it, the. the Two different things. There's uh, workflow in general in terms of what each individual digital marketer's day to day looks like and how that can still meaningfully feel part of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then alongside that, related to it, is sort of training and and onboarding and and bringing people in in a way that's meaningful that isn't micromanagey but also doesn't sort of completely take the the stabilizers off uh, or at least not too early um i think that it's, it's it's very very easy to operate in silos in digital marketing uh i think it's it's easy to sort of end up with a team structure that has you know one client one platform, maybe one person, or, or, or you know, if if you have an agency that sort of runs with more sort of generalists when it comes to digital marketing, then then one client, one one digital marketer, and not enough is done to break down some of those barriers between people and and to get them talking and to get them innovating and, and sharing ideas and things like that. And I think it's, it's a nature to a certain extent of the work itself, of the platforms themselves. You know, you're logging in as a user uh, and and making the optimizations, making those sorts of changes. It, it is quite a solitary affair. And I think it's it's on agencies specifically to, to design workflows and processes that break down some of those silos. Obviously, at the point of the application of the optimization, that still needs to be done in platform. But when we talk about creating time to think, that that like if if you then have that time it's a real waste to then just sort of make that a solitary exercise as well make that 
a group session or, or partner up with people in order to, to throw those ideas around because you know i'm as guilty of it as anyone I, like i quite like to take my work away and and think about it and, and, and come back once i have some f- sort of fully formulated ideas but you never get the same level of value that clients certainly never gets the same level of value unless there's a sort of scrutiny applied at a broader level of you know, people coming at it from different perspectives uh, the more that you can implement those sorts of processes and workflows, the better, frankly, uh, everything will be, you know, in terms of your employees' experience of the work, but results as well. I, I genuinely believe that. And, and just touch on the, the second thing in terms of training, very, very similar. Like, again, because it's such a siloed practice, bringing someone in, I mean, you can push them through the analytics and, and Google Ads and, you know, all those academy pieces uh, online to sort of get them up to speed. But it's very difficult to then sort of just, you know, push them into the platform. Eventually, uh, you have to you have to cut the cord and they have to, to be let loose. You don't want to and often don't have the time to sort of sit with them and be you know, micromanaging everything or scrolling through change logs or whatever. Something like Morpheo, obviously, you have that, <laughs> there's that, that peace of mind, that alert, that anomaly-based system that means that you can have a certain amount of sort of distance from those people as they're starting to get into the platforms and know that if anything goes wrong, you're going to know about it before it becomes a problem. And similarly, if you're sort of introducing the sort of workflows and processes that allows Morpheo effectively to kind of create this to-do list of items that need completing from a, from a defense perspective, then the team can be more involved and collaborative uh, when it comes to what opportunities they're going to seize on or, or just just venturing a problem that one of them may be experiencing that uh, that uh, then the team gets to sort of throw around and find solutions to. Those sorts of environments, I think, absolutely key to young and new digital marketers' development, but also just to everyone's enjoyment of the practice of the industry. And Dave, actually, if there's anything to add, feel free to add it. But I really like a point that Matt made there, tying it back to creating room to think. And so for you, Dave, I was thinking about the early stages of Morpheo and the fact that you were essentially growing Morpheo while helping to run an agency. And so you need to create time to think in order to grow that as a product. So is there anything that you can speak to that helped you create room for you and your team that thinking time what did you put in place and was it software based or culture based anything that comes to mind yes it was it was structurally first and foremost what we did so interesting story there uh, at least I, I find it interesting in terms of how we did it so eric our, our co-founder of morpheo and and the agency as well actually handed over the leadership reins to myself and our, our CEO, uh, our, the Arcane CEO, Lindsay, to specifically become the leader of the Morpheo product, if you will. So in three years ago, you know, Morpheo was in its infancy and it hadn't gained a lot of traction and, and momentum. And that's because, as, as Matt said, there was enough other challenges and clients onboarding and growth and exciting opportunities to pursue that Morpheo was on the back 
burner and we weren't giving it the attention it needed in order to become, you know, fully uh, baked, if you will. So what happened was Eric said, okay, Dave, Lindsay, you run the agency. I'm going to go over to Morpheo here. I'm going to build out a team. We're going to separate it, treat it like its own business with its own reporting, its own team, its own even physical space in the office, you know, Right. Push them basically into a bit of a storage closet, if you will, and said, go, go build this product over here. But that separation was so important because it created a separation of stakeholders. And it was confusing mm-hmm. and a little bit awkward at times, but it, it ultimately worked because it created a feedback loop and a disconnect between the people building it and the people using it. And I, as a leader of the agency at the time, and Matt, as a as a leader of the agency at the time, were able to, in a disconnected way, go to Eric and the product team at Morpheo and say, we need this, or this part isn't working, go build that. And it created a separation, uh, and it created more objectivity in the build. So that's how we handled it, and, and it worked, ultimately. And then, you know, as we've had different people come into the product, uh, as I said, it started with Nima. He put a very machine learning base into it with the anomalies and such. Then Eric came along and, and gave it sort of its its user interface, user experience side of it. And then now it's myself and Matt leading it from more of a, a, a process and finance angle. Leading on from what you were just saying, I'd like to close on a little bit more about some of the lessons that you've learned in growing Morpheo and really your inspiration um, as you've been growing Morpheo. And one of the things I mentioned very early on in the intro of the podcast is that the intuitiveness, the user experience in using Morpheo is something that I really enjoy. And I'd spotted in the badges in the footer of your site, the the badges from G2 Crowd for the easiest setup and best estimated ROI that you achieved in spring 2021. So firstly, congratulations for that. It's always good to receive uh, recognition from third parties. But what really stood out to me as I was looking at, at that is that, you know, to get this right, you must have, I imagine, done a lot of research perhaps and spent a lot of time and attention on UX, UI, and just learning more about how to create enjoyable products so on that note, where have you taken your inspiration? Are there other software products that either you use or you've taken inspiration from when building Morpheo? We'll go to Matt on that one first. I think he's he's the you know the user, <laughs> if you will, or the the key. Uh, he's he's seen all the softwares. I think you know on the agency side, I could probably count a couple of dozen that we we tried in varying ways. So. Matt, you know, you're the super user of all this stuff. So what do you think? <laughs> I think, I think, Scott, if you're asking that from a sort of kind of guiding principle standpoint, it sounds mm. like maybe you are. Yeah. Um, I think it just sort of comes down to fundamentally, you know, these, these, these platforms that we work in are our tools. Um, we are in them uh, eight hours a day and, uh, I forget who it was. As someone uh, once articulated, I remember it being spoken. Uh, they, they, they were speaking specifically about the difference, um, at least at the time, between uh, Apple products and, and and sort of Microsoft uh, yeah, OS laptops, mm. um, and, and and speaking about the the importance of just whatever it is that you're using feeling nice to use. Mm. Um, 
and that that being such a sort of seemingly simple point to kind of make and yet constantly sort of falls down. I think oftentimes function trumps form with a lot of a lot of products out yeah. there. And I think this is this is one of those great debates and, and and it's always going to be a question of balance. But at Morphia we have always sort of scrutinized the inclusion of a function by questioning its impact on form. What kind of a lift in terms of the uh, in terms of the user experience from this as a product output? What is that lift going to be, and is it worth the potential impact that that will have on the the form, the actual usability of the product? Those, you know, it's and sometimes we uh, more to function, and sometimes we earn more to form. But I think one of the key things is that that conversation is always being had. It's not we're not just throwing tables and tables and tables of information in there, um, although we could, and at times that is requested. The conversation is always one of trying to examine that balance so that obviously we want to provide as much data and and, and uh, the things that empower the people in the platform as much as we can. But fundamentally, the platform has to be nice to use. It has to be functional and be an enjoyable place to be because otherwise people just won't go there. And that's not always necessary. You know, Morphia obviously is a, a, a very beautiful platform. I'm definitely biased there, but uh, others others have commented the same. It's it, it is very beautiful, but it, it sort of extends much beyond that. Like I <laughs> I remember the moment where Google Ads uh, shifted over to to its its current interface, mm-hmm. and and I still haven't forgiven them. I, like this. <laughs> There's, there's, there's still parts of that that um, that interface that I feel is is uh, crowbarring in function for the sake of it being there, or prioritizing form in the wrong way. Prioritizing form in, in terms of it sort of just having a sort of greater brand presence or, or, or something like that, as opposed to just being nice and usable and a, a good place to be with. Yeah, Google, if you're listening, reasonable load times between screens, yeah, <laughs> uh, things like that. So, anyway, I think yeah, as a guiding principle, uh, the, the the debate around form versus function is one that's constantly being had and constantly being scrutinised at Morpheo. So, it's it's never uh, far from the table. How about yourself, Dave? Any um, any other software platforms or any points of inspiration for you that um, are helping you to grow Morpheo? Yeah, a few in terms of software inspirations. One tool uh, that I know at the agency uh, gained great traction uh, was a good example, Sprout Social, you know, complementary to us, not competing, but a good sort of guide for us in the way that it integrates into an agency, that the way it collaborates and connects clients and agencies as well is something that we want to continue to strive for. And also, again, like Matt said, it's it's a product that has positioned itself as one that you can get started on, that you can use uh, relatively intuitively uh, and have the right supports in place as well as you go through the onboarding process. So 
that one for us, uh, I know was a great example just on the agency side that that was pretty seamless in terms of, of use and functionality uh, that we look towards. And then, you know, from a, a workflow perspective, the, the Asanas and Trellos, not that we're, we're creating that exactly by any means, but teams can collaborate and the way that they can, you know, track, review, monitor work um, is, is obviously something that we're bearing in mind now as we continue our roadmap. And then the final one that's interesting and really random, but it's it's not even a software product, if you will, but uh, Design Pickle, uh, if you've heard of them, they're mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, outsource sort of creative agency approach, and and why we like them is the way they've positioned and messaged their brand around eliminating design bottlenecks, if you will, and and helping agencies flow and do the right type of work. That is a great message that resonates with us as we talk about. Let Morpheo provide you proactive data. Let Morpheo give you the insights so that you could do the high value work. And that's exactly what we, we want to achieve. So those are unique inspirations of ones that aren't intuitive, but uh, ones that we draw upon. Yeah, I think, I think the, uh, the, the things that are giving us the most inspiration at the moment that you're probably picking up, uh, Scott, are the ones more focused around sort of workflow and process. And I think... That's that's obviously as a result of of uh, how the product is sort of developing. And I, I find it really interesting because the the workflow and process side of it was more of a kind of accidental feature. Really, mm-hmm. you know, it started with with sort of building up protection and alerts, and and started to sort of expand into opportunities, and and. From there, we found speaking to some of our users that they were using those not just as a sort of insurance policy or a, as a, uh, a an extra set of eyes on the account, but actually using that to kind of effectively manage their workflow. And actually, my most recent role, is, I was at a, a separate agency that was a bit removed from digital marketing. It was a Shopify agency, so a bit more sort of product delivery obviously in the form of, of Shopify sites. And uh, the agency had a certain level of uh, adoption of, of agile methodology, which is my first exposure to it uh, in, a, in a sort of genuine way. But I'd, I'd always sort of been intrigued because, you know, close enough to it over the years and they have all this wonderful uh, terminology that they use, uh, agile practitioners and and scrums and and all these sorts of things that, that seemed very uh, mysterious and interesting, and being exposed to that way of working, the the benefits of working in that way are, are very clear. You know, almost immediately, if you've kind of come from a an agency that has just sort of moved through things in a very waterfall fashion, when when building sites, uh, it's 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 very very collaborative to sort of. Um, tie back into some of the things that I think really sort of separate uh, the value that agencies bring. If there's, if there's platforms for collaboration, generally things tend to be better. I would sort of think about that methodology and how it might apply to the digital marketing function, but it's always, it's always difficult, certainly when, you know, prior to Morpheo existing and, and um, you know, it just being a team of 15 18 digital marketers sort of working in silos to really think about how 
that sort of system of working could apply to that methodology. There isn't a sort of ticket system uh, that can move along a, a Kanban board that can be sort of scrutinized in daily stand-ups and all that sort of thing. So it always seemed like there was a little bit of a disconnect there in terms of how those two things could be connected. But then, you know, building on this idea of accidental features, we have obviously on uh, as part of the Morphia tool that anomalies uh, screen that very literally condenses down all the things that need to be addressed with a campaign into literal tickets. And suddenly, through uh, you know the use of anomalies and alerts, we have a ticket-based system. We have a ticket-based system that can then feed into a sort of agile methodology, a review of the tickets in a, in a morning stand-up and uh, you know, dissemination of, of work, um, you know, e- even sort of the ideation around you know, strategic thinking, big picture thinking, whatever, can be introduced then as, as, a, as a ticket item, as a piece of work that can, that can move through a shop. So we look at, as that has become more apparent as a, as a means of, of, uh, of utilizing Morpheo, we're sort of allowing the product and, and the users of the product to lead us a bit. And so we're starting to examine some of those tools that, that are you know, effectively kind of designed around that methodology to, uh, to determine how we can take what we've created and what people are starting to use in that way and find ways to augment it so that it can better service that. That's really interesting. It leads to just my final question for you both is that it ties in with that a little bit. So you've talked there a lot about services that you either inspired by or you've been using, but I wanted to close on understanding a little bit more about how you defend yourself against, it could be marketing failures, operation failures, finance failures, the processes, the tools, or the systems that you have in place at Morpheo that give you peace of mind? Is there anything that comes top of mind for you that you say, I'm so glad we have that in place? Yeah, I'll take a a first crack at that one. I think a couple of tools that we use in our tech stack uh, is uh, all about integration as well and getting alerts and notifications pushed to us, not through Morphe, obviously, but in general. So first Mm -hmm. one I, I think of is, is HubSpot. We use as our CRM. From that perspective, having that sort of system for sales and marketing tasking, if you will, the, the notion of, you know, Hey, here's an alert. This deal has been inactive for 15 days. What are you going to do about it? Or, you know, this email drip campaign has been pushed live. And, you know, for me as CEO to know when or how or what messaging is going out, uh, and being able to, have that understanding is very important. So from a sales and marketing perspective, you know, we have those alerts and or sort of tasks being pushed to us through HubSpot, helping us stay on top of that. And then from a product perspective, we have a couple. One is around integrating Slack with our product backend itself to tell us who's using the product, how or when, and if there are key events that happen within the product, we know about it. So uh, for example, in our Slack channels, we have one that's for when somebody new signs up. So we know, okay, this new user has been added. Uh, and we know if it's a user that's attached to a certain account or if it's a net new user, you know, where they're from, what type of business. And we get this information being pushed to us from an alert perspective so that Matt, myself, our other market leaders can go in and, and 
make the right connections uh, and and reach out as needed. Then uh, same thing goes for Stripe integration into Slack. So using Zapier, we have Stripe coming through uh, and pushing in updates into Slack for us, such as you know somebody's added a credit card, somebody has deleted their subscription, somebody has upgraded their subscription. All those alerts and notifications that trigger us to ensure we're providing the right customer success journey are all sort of alerts and ways that we use our technology to help us be informed and work smart in in how we manage our our relationships with our users. Wonderful. Anything else to add to that, Matt? I mean, that was our entire text. Like, basically. So. <laughs> a very comprehensive, I mean, a very comprehensive answer. Then, yeah, we. I mean, we 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 obviously we we utilize Morpheo as well. I mm-hmm. think it's it's important that we do uh, mm-hmm. because you know that way we we're exposed to the same the same uh, you know workflows that 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 uh, that our users are are exposed to. You know, it's it, it is a product design primarily with agencies in mind, given that it, it came out of an agency. Um, and so, you know, we're just a, a single brand with a, a single client, effectively, Dave. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's it's still important for us, obviously, to, to, to utilize it as a platform so that we can be experiencing the same pain points, the same, the same uh, you know, identifying areas where uh, there are opportunities to, to, to augment the platform so that that feedback loop isn't just coming from our users. It's, it's also coming from us internally. Uh, you know, we're, we're still just digital marketers at the end of the day. Yeah, you've got to practice what you preach, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, thanks so much both for your time today. Before I let you go, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about Morpheo and then you individually, if you want to give out any social media handles, feel free. Uh, maybe start with you, Dave. Yeah, so best way to, to find us, of course, is, is on our site, morpheo.ai. Uh, we do have our email address there as well, but it is hello at morpheo.ai, M-O-R-P-H-I-O dot A-I. Uh, or they could connect with me via LinkedIn. Matt? Yeah, similarly, they can please, please do connect with me via LinkedIn. There's not many Matthew Thompsons in the world. Should be able to find me. And you can follow Morpheo on LinkedIn as well. That's where we post weekly uh, thought leadership content as well. For our listeners, everything that we've discussed today will be in the show notes. I'd encourage you to check out Morpheo. As I said at the beginning, this isn't a sponsored episode, but if I stumble across a tool, a service, a book, a resource, and I'm particularly inspired by it, then I want to bring it on the podcast and share it with you. And I found that in Morpheo. I'm looking forward. I think the future is bright for you both and for Morpheo. And so thanks again for spending time with me today and take care. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 